Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Last week we did something that we had not done in a really long time, and that was we gave out what is often duplicated, definitely coveted, but never replicated, and that's the golden hammer, all right? And it was so much fun to give out a golden hammer that we thought, let's give out a couple more. You guys cool with that? So if, you, if you're new to church, know this about us, okay? We absolutely love celebrating you. We love it. We, we absolutely are committed to being a church that has celebration as our soundtrack. We want to see what you're doing and say, hey, right on. That's amazing. Thank you. And so golden hammers are given to anybody and everybody who is serving this church going above and beyond and giving of their life, of their time, their gifts, their skills to see this church become all that God has created it to be. And so this morning, we would love for Amir to come on up to the stage. Where is Amir? Get on up here. Also, Rachel Allen. Is Rachel Allen in the house? I I heard that she might or might not be here. She's not here. Amir, come on. Get on up here, dude. There you go. So you might recognize Amir. He plays drums, Shredicles of Narnia. Uh, brings it, version four. He's just amazing, super talented. But here's what I love about Amir, is that even if he didn't play drums, he would be here every single, he's like the first guy here to unload all the containers. He's the last guy to leave. Uh, I didn't even know he was an electrician at our South Campus. I walk into like our little common area. Amir's like, splitting wires and like doing I'm like dude you know what you're doing because he's so servant hearted I'm like he might have just dove in I'm like don't die dude don't get electrocuted uh but but Amir is the absolute picture of of what we want everybody who serves to be just happy hearted he comes early stays late and he's just thankful to be a part of what's going on here dude we see you we love you we hammer you come on All right, well, I have an extra here that we'll give out next week. Okay, well, we are uh, in the tail end of a series of talks that we've called The Thin Space, The Thin Space, and what we've been doing is leaning into that truth that God has given us access through Jesus to every place that we go can be a place of encounter. That throughout the Old Testament, there were moments, windows, where God would visit His people and the, the space between heaven and earth grew very thin. And, and we believe that we're entering into a season as a community where God is giving us the invitation that every place can be a thin space. And, and what we want to do today is we actually want to lean in to what is being celebrated in churches all over the world, and that is Palm Sunday. How many of you knew that it was Palm Sunday? Come on now, church calendar people in the house, say amen. I see you. I hammer you, all right? Uh, Palm Sunday, this is being celebrated all over the world. This day is when we look at what is known in Matthew 22 as Jesus's triumphal entry into 
Jerusalem. Jesus coming into Jerusalem ultimately to die on the cross, which we will celebrate on Friday at our Good Friday service that we're doing with a bunch of other churches. We want to invite you to that. It's going to be a blast. And then we're going to commemorate his resurrection on Easter Sunday at our South Campus. I know it's a drive for some of you, but don't miss it. It's going to be an amazing time of celebrating together the life uh, that Jesus has given us access to uh, as he is uh, resurrected from the grave. But in this moment, Matthew 22, this is Jesus entering into Jerusalem. He has not yet gone to the cross. He has not yet died. He has not yet come back to life. He is entering the city for the first time. He's entering in days before the cross. Matthew 21, let's read some verses together. It says, they, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, say your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt on a foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while they were, uh, and, and they cut branches from trees and spread them on the road, and the crowd that went ahead of him, and they all shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Can I pray? God, we, we just invite you to come and speak to us this morning. Well, thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together to dive into your word and, and to experience transformation I just pray, God, that you would get me out of the way and that what you have in store for us this morning would be heard. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted. You know, in 1994, I became a Rockets fan. The basketball team. Some of you know, don't know basketball. Basketball, it's an orange ball that bounces. You shoot it in a hoop. 1994, I felt what Pastor Chris Otts feels yearly, which is what it feels like to be a champion. Because Pastor Chris Otts cheers for the Patriots because everyone needs a savior, okay? And he gets to experience winning all the time. Growing up in Houston, how many people from Houston in the house? Before 1994, I didn't know what it felt like to be a champion. I had no idea. Nobody had won any championships. 1994, the Houston Rockets dominated in the NBA Finals, and all of a sudden, it felt like I played the game. Isn't that weird? About like when, when, when a team in your city wins a championship, somehow you feel like you played a part in it. Like people, people are like hugging each other and be like, great job. It's like you did nothing, right? Like you threw a party, you watched the game, but, but when, when your team wins, it feels like you win, right? But I didn't think it could get better than that. I'm like, man, 1994, this is the top, this is the epitome, this is, this is it. I'm a champion now. Like we are the champions, it's on repeat, you know, like it's on. And then 1995, we did it again, but we didn't just win. 
we swept them. We swept the Detroit Pistons. Listen to me. My family got in the car. We drove around our neighborhood, honking, screaming at strangers, holding brooms out of the windows, saying, sweet, baby, sweet. And it was normal. Nobody looked at us like we were crazy. There's like this 24-hour window after the victory of a, of a team where you can just be dancing on the corner. Nobody will judge you. They'll join you. Isn't it weird what we do when we win? Isn't it strange, like just what happens when you experience victory? Matthew 21, this is what's actually happening. This is Jerusalem's version of a victory parade. That, that, that's what's going on here. The, the actual event of them celebrating on the streets would not have been unique. Actually, this is what happened when kings came back from war victorious, the town would line the streets. They would take off their jackets. They would wave palm branches and brooms in the air like they just don't care. They would throw them on the ground. And, and the king would ride in back into town and they would shout, our king is alive, our king is not dead. So this, this event that Jesus is experiencing would not have been strange. It's not like these type of things did not happen. What is unique is how it happened. It's unique for a couple of reasons. The first is, is that Jesus rode in on a donkey. Now, donkeys are not what kings ride in on. As soon as the horse was introduced into the Middle East, donkeys were reserved for work and for the poor. They were not used by kings. They were not used by people of authority. No, it was interesting that this man would be riding in on a donkey, treated as he's a conquering hero. Also unique, the victory that was welling up in people at this time in Matthew 21 was prophetic. It hadn't happened yet. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to die on the cross to close the gap of where our depravity has left us because we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. And Jesus came to die on the cross to to be the final sacrifice of our sin, to pay the debt that our sin has created, to close the gap of what our depravity is and His holiness and His righteousness and His goodness. And, and Jesus was coming to do... That had not yet happened yet. Jesus had not died on the cross yet in Matthew 21. He's going, it's, it's, it's days later. Most of the people actually that were in the crowd were there. They were pilgrims to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. They didn't even live there. But they were swept up in something that they were experiencing that they didn't even know what was happening. They, they, they could not deny that there was something that was causing them to celebrate but they had no idea that Jesus was there to die on the cross. They had no idea, most of them, even who Jesus was. They, they, they could not understand in their mind what was happening, but there was something happening in their spirit. Because hear me, when Jesus shows up in a city, even if you were against him before he got there, worship will come out of you for him. When Jesus enters into a city, we experience what they experience, where it just very simply says the city was stirred. 
They were asking a question because they didn't have the answer. They were like, who is this man? We don't know why this is happening. We don't know why we are stirring. We don't know why I just have this need to celebrate this man as he's walking into Jerusalem. They didn't know the why, but they couldn't escape the what. There was something happening in them. It's called worship. You see, when Jesus enters into an environment, worship happens in that environment. When Jesus shows up in a city, there's a stirring in the city. You you know what's amazing is that they were declaring Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a pregnant word. Hosanna means a lot more than just a declaration of praise. Hosanna actually means save us now. You see, Jesus will use personal encounter to expose spiritual hunger. Jesus will use personal encounter to expose spiritual hunger, meaning when they encountered Jesus, the hunger in them began to come out of them. They didn't even know who he was, why he was there, what was happening, but they started to declare, save us, save us now. Save us now. Save us now. Jesus enters into places and worship begins to happen in those places. When Jesus steps into a city, there's a stirring. There's an awakening. There's a refreshing. But what I want us to lean into this morning is that what happened in Matthew 21 did not end at the cross. Jesus coming into Jerusalem to die on the cross His death and resurrection is not the end of the story in Matthew 21. No, the story actually continues on in Acts 1. Understand the timeline because we're going to jump from Matthew 21 to Acts 1. And I want you to understand, Matthew 21, like we've been talking about, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem to days later die on the cross to close the gap of our brokenness and God's righteousness. Acts 1, Jesus has fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. He died on the cross. He he conquered the grave. He came back to life. And now, Acts 1, he is interacting with his followers on the back end of the victory that the people were celebrating prophetically in Matthew 21. Are you tracking with me? Acts 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples and telling them some very important things that are to come. Acts 1, it says this in verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this because we get a window into the heart of the disciples here because they respond exactly how we would respond like we didn't even hear what Jesus just said. Jesus looks at them and he's like, look, stay right here because I've been telling you about the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He is the presence of God. He is going to dwell on you, in you, and through you. He's going to come in power. So wait here until he comes. His disciples were like, cool, cool, cool. So is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You can just hear Jesus being like, okay. 
Okay. Listen to me. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. It's not for you to know the days and the time. Quit worrying about that. It doesn't matter. Quit stressing about what's going to happen. Experience what I'm trying to give you right now. You're going to receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You know what that word witness means right there? You're going to be my proof. You're going to be my proof in Jerusalem, but he goes on. In Judea, but he goes on. And Samaria, and then he goes on. And to the ends of the earth. Today is not just about remembering and celebrating that Jesus came into Jerusalem to die on the cross. Yes, it is absolutely fascinating that that act and the way that it happened fulfilled a prophecy that was written about Jesus 500 years before when the prophet Zechariah said in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey. Yes, that is absolutely amazing. Yes, Jesus coming into Jerusalem was the beginning of the end of the greatest rescue mission on earth. Yes, fascinating. He closed the gap of our brokenness and God's holiness. Yes, but listen to me. The full picture of what happened in Matthew 21 does not stop in Matthew 21. The full picture is that Jesus came into Jerusalem so that we could be sent from Jerusalem. Jesus came into Jerusalem so that we could be sent from Jerusalem. Jesus tells us in Acts 1, I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to come on you. I'm going to saturate you. I'm going to flood you. John did this with water. John the Baptist baptized you with water and, and you were submerged in the water and when you came out of the water, you were wet and therefore everything around you became wet because I'm coming on you to send you. He says, I'm, I'm going to baptize you in the power of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the presence of God. That Holy Spirit is the presence of God that would dwell in the Ark of the Covenant that used to be separated by a curtain. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There was the Ark of the Covenant, the place where the presence of God dwelled. You could only access it once a year, and only the priest could go in there, and he had a massive checklist to make sure that he was okay. Now, through what Jesus did on the cross, we have access to that power, that presence, that saturation in our daily lives, that our lives can be a thin space, but he comes on us to send us. He, he, he comes on us so that we can go out from Jerusalem to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Je Jesus comes on us to send us. You know, and the beautiful thing about Jesus is, is that he always goes before us. He, he sends us, but he goes before us. That, that, that the Spirit of God is drawing people to himself. And, and although we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are saturated that God came on us so that we could be sent out from this place to everywhere that we go, representing Jesus, representing who he is, representing his life here on the earth, giving people, look, just like Jesus 
stepped into Jerusalem and it began to stir. Now, because of what Jesus said in Acts 1 and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit coming upon us, now we step into the city and God on us begins to stir the city through us. That same stirring that evoked the question, who is this man? That did not end in Jerusalem in Matthew 21. No, no, no. It continued on. Now we step into the city by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what God has done in us and on us begins to affect what's around us. Because God comes on us to send us. And he sends us because he's gone before us. And he's stirring the hearts of those that we're going to encounter that are asking the question that was being asked in Matthew 21, who is this man? I'll never forget being in Lebanon with Liz. This was years ago. And we were working with some friends there that were living there and they, they had a little business, but they were also living their lives to see Jesus's name glorified in that land. And so we partnered with them for about a month. We were living there for that month and having just a great time. And they asked us if we would go door to door and give people Bibles. Because there were so many people that they would interact with that would say, we're having a dream of a man in white. And, and, and they found that if you give someone a Bible, that they'll begin to read the Bible and they'll find that the Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus in their dream. And so we were like, yeah, absolutely. And so we go to this building and we just start going door to door. Now, Lebanon is a beautiful place and the people are just as beautiful as the climate. I mean, it is just an amazing place. It's the type of place where you knock on the door and you're a total stranger and you're like, hey, they're like, come in. And you're like, whoa, are you kidding me? Like, you don't even know my name right now. And it's like every house, like, come in. And then they would offer you this, like, supercharged coffee that looks like an espresso shot. So you think you just want to shoot it? Do not shoot it. Because if you drink it quickly, you will quickly realize that the bottom of the cup is solid coffee grounds. And your smile will never be the same. Crest widening strips are no match for this coffee and so we're just like drinking so much coffee and eating this like sugarless pie that I don't, still don't know how they think it tastes good but they do they love it and we end up in this lady's house and we're just talking to her and just kind of being like hey how are you and she's asking us what are you guys doing here in Lebanon and blah 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 and I was like you know we actually have a gift for you and I was like, it's a Bible. It's a New Testament. And her eyes get like as big as silver dollars. And she begins to tell us that she's been having this dream of a man in white. And he's walking up to a table. And he's going to everybody at the table. And he's tearing bread. And he's saying, eat this. Eat this eat this. And then he takes a cup and he fills it with wine and he goes around the same table and he's like, drink this, drink this, drink this. And then she looks at us and says, can you tell me who this man is that's coming to me in my dream? And I go, no, nah, we're out. We're out of time. 
thanks for your hospitality. No, of course. We opened the Bible and we're like, look, you're never going to believe this. But Jesus, this is this happened in the Bible. It's called the Last Supper. He gathered his followers together and, and he gave them a piece of bread and he said, I want you to eat this and remember me because he's getting ready to give his life. We got to share the gospel with her. It was amazing. Because Jesus goes before us, and where Jesus is, there's a stirring. Jesus uses personal encounters to stir spiritual hunger. That's what happens. It's what happens. God is going before us, and all we have to do is just do what he's doing. Like, God is stirring people. And when, when we step into that environment where he's already stirring People begin to spontaneously respond, not knowing even what they're doing. This is what happened in Matthew 21. People were spontaneously responding. Worship was coming out of them. They didn't know why. They didn't understand why they were celebrating. They didn't know what was going on in them or around them, but they could not escape that there was a stirring in them. Because when Jesus invades a city, there is a stirring that cannot be denied. God comes on us to send us. And when we begin to understand and live in that revelation that the thin spaces that we have, these encounters that we have with God, were never to stop with us. But they were given to us so they could spill off of us. When we begin to understand that we are going to receive the Holy Spirit so that we can be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We begin to understand that thin spaces create revival places. That the thin spaces that we encounter with Jesus create revival places. And this is exactly what happened in Acts 2. Acts 1, there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, Jesus does exactly what he said he was going to do. And the Holy Spirit came in power and did what the Holy Spirit does. It stirs. And personal encounters evoke what? Personal encounters evoke spiritual hunger. People are responding. They're just responding to God. It creates such a ruckus because God comes on us to send us. He fills us so it spills off of us. That it did not just affect the 120 people that were in the room that were waiting as Jesus had instructed. It began to spill into the city. It created such chaos that Peter had to stand up and become a street preacher and say, look, this is what's happening. They're not drunk. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's come upon them. And listen, this is how it happened. And Jesus, this is what he did. And this is why you need to believe who he is and what he said he was going to do. And you know what happens? Because personal encounters evoke spiritual hunger. It says, that thousands of people were added to their number that day because God comes on us to send us. The Holy Spirit falls on us so that it could spill off of us. Yes, when God touches us, it brings restoration and healing. Yes, when God touches us, it brings transformation. Yes, when God touches us, it refreshes our soul. But yes, when God touches us, it's to spill off of us. What happens in Jerusalem was never supposed to stay in Jerusalem. Maybe you've encountered this. Sometimes God comes on us in power. If we're not faithful to give it away, then we will blow up. There's an old phrase. All power, no outreach equals 
devastation. Because it was never supposed to stay in Jerusalem. Jesus entered Jerusalem so that we could be sent from Jerusalem. But I want to be honest. The breakdown in most of us is not that God wants to come in power on us. I think if you've been to church even a couple of times, you're probably okay with believing that God wants to touch you. You're, you're, you're probably can, can hear that word that the Holy Spirit wants to come on you in power. And, and that's, that's, that doesn't feel like it's a reach. What feels like it's a reach is not that God will come on us. What feels like a reach is that does God really want to use us? That's the reach. Like, not that God's going to come, but it, does God really want to use me? Because I tell you, it seems like the people that God uses, they seem special. Like, and I don't feel special. Anybody else? Can we just be honest at church? It's like, does God use normal people? Like, like because it's, it seems like, of course, yes, God, I can receive your power. I can receive your love, but you come on us to send us. I don't know, because like, I'm really normal. I have a really normal life. There's nothing really special about what I have to give. And, and if we're going to get really honest, it's not just that I'm normal. It's I'm kind of broken. I kind of, I got some history. I got some past. I got some stuff I did last night that I'm not proud of. Like, like yeah, I get it. I, I get that, Jesus, you made access for me to experience the power of God. But do you want to use a guy like me? Do you, do you, like, there's nothing special about a guy like me. There's nothing special I feel super normal. That must exactly have been what the donkey was feeling. I mean, think about the donkey. Passed over, hanging out, not even used for that day's work. Just in the pen. Forgotten. Then all of a sudden, this donkey is being taken to Jesus so that Jesus can ride this donkey into Jerusalem. Yes, absolutely, Jesus did this to fulfill what was prophetically spoken that he would do 100%. But understand that the picture that God was painting even when that prophecy was spoken was, look, that, that, that it's not the vessel, it's what the vessel carries. Oh, that'll preach. Look, I'll amen myself on that one. It, it's not the vessel it's what the vessel carries. Kings don't ride on donkeys. Donkeys are, are ornery. They smell bad. They have bad haircuts. They're, they're, they're short. They're stocky. Kings don't ride in on... Kings ride on horses. Horses are majestic. Horses are special. Horses are unique. Horses are beautiful. Kings ride in on that. Not donkeys. Look, Jesus is telling us with his actions, it's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. It's, it's, look, you might be sitting in here going, look, I am too messed up for God to use me. Yes, I can believe that the thin space is my reality, but I'm having trouble understanding that God wants to use. It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. It's not about being perfect. It's not about feeling like you have all the answers. It's not about feeling like you can answer every question. It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. Jesus has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access because there is no separation.
between God and man now, thankfully, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can enter the throne room of grace with confidence. We have full access to his power and his presence. He fulfilled the promise that the Holy Spirit would come in power, giving us what we need so that we could be his witnesses, his proof here in Austin and in Dallas and to the ends of the earth. Somebody's got to believe for Dallas. It's not the vessel. (laughs) It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. You know, a good friend of mine wrote a book called The Identity Journal. His name is Kendall Laughlin. I would encourage all of you to read this book. Buy it on Amazon right now. It's a very simple 30-day journal of aligning our identity with who Jesus says that we are. It's incredibly simple read, very approachable, all based on the book of Ephesians, absolutely revolutionary. Kendall Laughlin wrote in his book something that I think really helps us grab hold of this truth that our beliefs empower our behaviors. Our beliefs empower our behaviors. We have to believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead flows through our veins. We have to believe that the same stirring that was experienced in Jerusalem as Jesus rode into that town is the same stirring that happens when we step into our office. It's the same stirring that happens when we step into our classroom. Same stirring that happens when we step into our neighborhood park. People don't even know what's going on. They don't have words for it, but their heart is saying, who is this man? And what does this mean? And they are waiting for us, for our beliefs to empower our behavior and for us to be able to say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus because the Spirit of God comes on us to send us. Palm Sunday does not stop at the cross. No, 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 no. What started in Matthew 21 continue happening in Acts 2 continued happening in Acts 4 because God would come in power on his people and it would spill out and it would affect what's around them. And whole cities were changed. Uh, Whole continents were reached. Not, Not because of the vessel, but because of what the vessel carried. If you're here this morning and you feel like you are too beat up, too forgotten, too messed up, to be used by Jesus to expand his story in the earth. It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. Some of us, man, some of you have lived a righteous life and you're like, oh man, I wish I had a good testimony. That's stuff that only is said in church. Can I just be honest with you? People that have had a good life and then they hear somebody, they grew up in really difficult circumstances and were addicted to drugs for like 10 years and then God miraculously saved them and they're sharing their testimony and we'll sit back and be like, man, I wish I was addicted to drugs. <laughs> then I'd have a good testimony. Then, then I would, you know, be able to be used. How crazy is that? Do you know why we think that? It's because we think it's the vessel. We think it's the vessel. It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. 
It it doesn't matter how good, bad, indifferent your story is. It's not the vessel. It's what the vessel carries. We have to believe and allow our belief to empower our behaviors that Jesus has empowered us to go into Jerusalem and for the kingdom of heaven to be experienced through us. I'm telling you, what if we actually believed that when we walk into our office that people are being stirred and they're waiting for us to give them this card and be like, hey, you should come to church. It's going to be lit. And this will be their response. Let me tell you what they're going to say because I do this all the time. They're going to say, church isn't for me. Or, this is my favorite. Me and God are in a we're in a difficult time right now. Me and God are working some things out. It's not the vessel. Don't stress. It's what the vessel carries. People are being stirred. The same stirring that Jesus caused in Jerusalem is the same stirring that happens when we, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, enter into our offices believing in faith that he wants to do things that are beyond what we can ask, hope, or imagine. So we can step in with confidence and go, God, who are you going? Who have you already been talking to this morning? Like, just open my eyes up. So look, what if we all believed that there was somebody for us this week to invite the church? What if that belief shaped our behavior and all of us brought somebody to church next week that was ready to be told the story of Jesus and they make the best decision of their life? This is what happens When the Spirit of God comes on people, it flows out of people. What happens in this room was never supposed to stay in this room. What happens in this room is supposed to then throw us into the city and that the Spirit of God on us is going to cause a stirring around us. And just like people asked in Matthew 21, who is this man? People are going to be asking, who is this man? And we're going to be like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus comes on us to send us. Jesus came into Jerusalem so that we could be sent from Jerusalem. Jesus comes on us to send us. Can you stand to your feet?